The Athletic. Hello all and welcome to the 70th edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Michael Bailey. I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, Norwich hitting a high XD, expected Dow. Away the lads and sour cherries. We will work through all this and more with our guests this fine evening. They are Norwich number one chief at NCFC Numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. Hi, Michael. And someone who knows just how this all feels, the brink of promotion, former City winger and bona fide legend, Darren Huckabee. Evening. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. Much appreciated. Um, Steve, I'll come to you first. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. I was sort of hoping that we'd be, you know, this would be the promotion party podcast, but we're nearly there, aren't we? So Wait for it. Wait for champagne. it. Well, I think the champagne was literally on ice, wasn't it? If your article today was anything to go by. Did Sky, do you say Sky were actually there and then kind of made a hasty retreat when they saw the Swansea score at half time? Yeah, they, were, they weren't going to be there. And then they're like, oh, we better be there. And then they left because they didn't need to be there. I, a good question on the ice and the champagne. I mean, I, I, Darren, you, you've been handed branded EFL champagne. Is it is it normally cold when you start spraying it? That seems like they probably wouldn't do that. I can't remember, to be honest with you. I can't remember. I'm sure, I'm sure we did. We probably drank it. We didn't waste it. Yeah, yeah. I think you didn't care if it was cold or not by that point, do you? No, no. It's all, ma- all, ma- all mixing with sweat and what knows anyway. Who cares at that point? Um, how are you, Darren? Are you well? Yeah, very well. Pubs are open. Hairdressers <laughs> are open. So we're near enough back to normal, aren't we? You, you're both looking particularly sharp with your haircuts, which obviously doesn't work for a podcast. But um, I mean, how long, how long does that trim take, Darren? Uh, probably about 30 minutes. Mm, slick. Um, I, 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 had to, I had to queue an hour and a half to, and the haircut took off now. So, <laughs> yeah, not, not great. Perfect ratio. Um, Steve, yours? I mean, that's a buzz cut, isn't it? About 30 minutes. A buzz cut? <laughs> Look at that. Look, that's, that's, a, that's a classic short back and sides. It is. A it is. Short back and <laughs> I'm just jealous. Yeah, no more than 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. That's the optimum number. Um, I'm jealous. I will get my hair cut one day. Um, before we crack on, right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £3.99 per month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You can enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That is theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod. Let's crack on, shall we, with this week's headline act. So Norwich dug it out at Derby. I think that's probably the best way to um, describe it. Thanks to a wonderful Kieran Dow pre-kick. And he is he is quite an interesting case. You can read my piece um, from the game on The Athletic that went up on Monday morning. Um, it does feel like he's still... I don't know how you view it, Steve. I mean, it's like he's... He's getting a run of games, which I think is great. We're getting to analyze him properly now. And there seems like there's so much good he's doing whilst also probably leaving us all wanting a little bit more as well. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's that's probably the story of all our number 10s and the various kind of runs in the team they've had this season. I'd, I'd say maybe he's in the best form that we've seen uh, from our various number 10s. I think the, the goals that he's getting um, as well. And, you know, that it was a match winner, wasn't it? And it was a great strike. Um, yeah, 
I think Farker's right. He he. There's still a, a little way to go. There's still some improvement we need from him. What he's probably done in the last few weeks is um, given himself the opportunity to start a few games next season. I think we will probably, hopefully, still see a number ten come in the door. Um, but I think, but yeah, the, the way that Dow's played, and 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 the moments that he can bring you, you know. Someone like a Stephen wouldn't have been able to give us that. Stephen has other qualities, but but he wouldn't have been able to hit a free kick the way that, that Dell did on Saturday. So um, yeah, I'm really pleased for him. I think I picked him out as being the um, the signing I was most excited to see at the beginning of the season, and I've kept very quiet on that until this moment. But he is kind of living <laughs> up to the promise now, uh, so I'm, I'm I'm glad for him as much as anything else. Picture moment to bring that one back up. Well played. Um, I mean, it was interesting, isn't it, with Hux that. I mean, Kieran keeps sort of he keeps getting starts, but also Daniel Farker will keep bringing him off with sort of twenty minutes or so uh, left, and it, it it's a weird one in a way that he doesn't he doesn't really seem to grab a game. I mean, I get the impression if he has a really good game, he probably walks away with a hat trick like he did for Forest once or twice. But but he also, although he has big impacts and and big moments, he he can kind of drift in games, which I guess you always get players who are a bit like that, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's been difficult for him. He's you know, he's been in and out of the team. He's, he got injured in certain times that really didn't help his uh, Norwich, you know, career so far. It don't also help that you've also got Todd Campbell and Buendia in the same team, you know, because they take a lot of the, you know, a lot of the plaudits and the way they play. They're on the ball quite a bit. So it's been interesting because obviously Steepman's been, you know, ill and then struggled to get back to, to full fitness. I think... Now, Daniel Farker seems to like Stephen quite a lot playing with uh, Pukki, so I think that's given him a chance to uh, stake a claim, you know, in the team. It's going to be interesting to see how we deal with next season, whether we'll be a third choice or not. And with Lucas Rupp as well. I mean, I kind of feel Steve that had Lucas been fit, maybe I don't know whether Kieran would have got quite as many games <laughs> in a way because Lucas was just getting those games. He's just had another setback as well, which is a real shame for him. Of course, probably means we won't see him again this season. So. Um, I guess football's, you know, um, surrounded by various lucky breaks and what have you, and injury um, opportunities that uh, that open up for you. Yeah, and I, I think we've said it before that Barker likes to stick with a winning team generally. Um, but what what players have done under his management f- for the last few years is when they've had the chance, they've they've taken it. And actually, I think Rook did that when when he was in the team. He had an excellent game. I think it was a, the, the Forest away game. Um, although Dow played in that one as well and also had a good game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it's about. It, it, I think what Dow has done is is taken his opportunity. And you would say that if he does stay fit, obviously he's not quite there yet. Otherwise, Farker wouldn't have hooked him after an hour. Didn't seem to be any injury issues there like there were with Emmy. Um, but Hux makes a good point actually that normally the, the 10 would be the focal point of the creativity whereas in this team they almost play with three of them don't they it's you know and they kind of interchange positions so I think what Daniel Farker looks for in that role isn't isn't necessarily the the, the man to to provide the the kind of the three balls and and the the incredible link-up play sometimes there's a bit more of the defensive steel and the hard work as well um, and Farkas praised him for that. So I think that that almost counts for as much as anything, really. Um, I don't remember you hitting that many free kicks, Hux, but please put me right if I'm if I'm wrong there. But I mean, when you saw the free kick, it, what, what impressed you most about the technique um, from, from Dow? I just think uh, I got it up and down over the wall and he seemed to have a lot of pace on it as well. It's one of them where you just, as soon as he hit it, you knew it was in. 
So, and, and he had one just before dinner, they hit the side netting, which was like a, a ridiculous angle. But yeah, a moment of quality in, in a game where, you know, we didn't, I didn't think we played that particularly that well, especially second half. I thought, you know, we, we never really got going. So that moment of magic really, uh, really got us a three point. They do keep pulling it out of the bag. There's not many games this season where Norwich have sort of taken uh, more points than they probably deserved. It's tended to be the other way around. But um, what, what did you make of the second half, Steve? Because uh, I, it felt to me like they were a bit tired mentally rather than physically. It looked like, you know, and also they made a pretty good start to the game. And then they just really struggled to sort of maintain the momentum. And then once Derby sort of got at them a bit in the second half, it was like they really struggled to regain control of the game. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Like that was my take on it as well. Um, it happens often, doesn't it? When they, they'll they'll have these amazing performances, and then you kind of expect the same the following game. It doesn't quite materialise. So they they did well to grind it out, really. Um, I think what I took from the second half is that I think there's a there's a fairly significant drop off between our first team and and the rest at the moment. Um, Poeta, I always feel I felt like it was the right time to bring him on because it did feel like we could spring Derby on the counter but it just doesn't quite seem to come off for him for whatever reason. We don't quite seem to be able to utilise his pace in the way you'd like us to, but maybe just not that sort of team. Um, I, I was going to mention, and I should stress, I definitely don't have the technique for those kind of free kicks. But one thing I, I did, <laughs> Whatever, here it comes. <laughs> but one thing I did notice was um, that it, there's been a bit of talk about the old draft, draft excluder, as they call it, they call it the, the man that lies down behind the wall. Um, and it, whether it's like a faddy hipster type thing, but I kind of think it's worth doing because the threat from a direct free kick, the, the immediate threat is that the player's going to shoot and that allows the wall to jump and the derby wall didn't jump. And had they jumped, it would, that ball would not have gone in. And actually it, it kind of shouldn't the way it did, because it was quite flat and it, it hit the top. It wasn't like a Mario Vrancic curler. So I, I kind of, I mean, I know we're not a Derby County podcast, but I did kind of think like, why did they not, why did they not have that option? Because they knew Dow was going to shoot and they could have stopped the goal. It was interesting after the game, Dowell said, I knew that the wall wasn't going to jump. Um, so he knew that was, I guess, from looking at things, he knew that was going to happen. Hadn't, I hadn't heard of that, um, the one who lays down being called the draft excluder before, but... <laughs> That's <laughs> what you... they always call it on Sky. I, haven't, I promise I haven't just invented that. That's Outstanding. Would you, would you have fancy being the draft excluder in the wall? Hugs. I'd rather, I'd rather be on the floor than getting it smack in the face. <laughs> well, it could end up anywhere, though, if they drill it low. Only certain people should go in the wall, and I'm not one of them. <laughs> so I, I, I'll, I'll try and get out of the way. Simple as that. <laughs> um, Steve makes an interesting point on Seamus Rav-Poheta, though, Hux. I mean, when you've, when you've seen him, I, I keep looking at it thinking, well, I'm, I'm not convinced his teammates are necessarily... Well, uh, I'm trying to be kind here because at points it looks like they're not having him, to be honest. But whether they're not quite, um, you know, uh, using him in the right way or playing off him in the right way. But then obviously Shemek himself has to take, I suppose, a degree of responsibility for that himself as well. What, how are you looking at it when, it, when he's been coming on? Uh, I think he's been really disappointed, if I'm going to be honest. You know, we, we heard it, you know, the quickest player alive and all this kind of stuff. But I didn't see him go past anybody. I ain't seen anybody. I ain't seen beat anybody. You know he's quick, but how would you know? It's, it's a real strange one because he, he don't seem to play to his strength. You know, normally quick players, they put themselves in positions where they can use the pace and get in one v one situations so they can expose who they're playing against. But he never seems to, and I, and I don't really know why, to be honest with you. Because if you don't go past people, then there's no point in you don't do anything. 
And if, you, if you're a wide man and you can't beat people and you can't cross the ball, or you can't put yourself in positions to, to cross the ball, it's very difficult for you. So, you know, and that's in the championship. So is he going to be able to step up in Premier League where people are quicker and stronger? And I don't know. I think the same problem with Ono. You know, Ono's probably a little bit more streetwise and can adapt to our game a little bit more. But, you know, Ono's got to do more. That's one thing we are going to need in the Premier League. We're going to need a different outlet because defences are going to be bigger, stronger, better organised. And you won't, and I don't think we'll be able to break teams down like we have done this year, as we found out last time when we went up. So I do think that, a, you know, a, a pacey wide man will give us a different option. That's an interesting point because I, I guess from the, the shape of the the team, I mean, it, what what would a pair, because Norwich don't, like, do Norwich go in much behind you? They kind of play a football that actually works for a pacey option, even though they kind of also still need that option as well. They, I suppose the, they they don't have a great deal of pay. I suppose Puki, um, but but Campwell and Buendia, it's it's not their their biggest strength. They are better on the ball, but I mean I've been thinking for the last few weeks, you know we, we are going to go up. Um, so and and there's a chance that that's, that last season may repeat itself again, and that that we need to find a different way to play with the ball and without the ball. Um, I tend to agree with Hux. I, I don't think that. Quajeta is is the answer to the you know if we're going for a pacey option, um, so then where do we turn? Is it Onel or again do we need to get another player through the door? I don't know. We're going to have to bring them all in. <laughs> we need five or six. Um, I mean, the, the good thing is um, Hux that you um, you've obviously laid down the law there for what Shemek needs to do. Um, probably about twelve months ago, you'd have said the similar kind of thing about Emmy in that you know he needs to score goals and produce these this sort of a few extra bits and bobs I mean you see the player now compared to one you were probably watching about a year ago has he, has he kind of ticked the boxes now yeah undoubtedly I think I think he took it more onto himself to to, to shoot and to make chat because there's even times last year when you know we try and play an extra pass when he didn't need to try and set something up when he's got the ability himself to you know now he's a, he's a complete player now a year ago, he wasn't simple as that because you know whatever they score one goal in the Premier League out of whatever thirty-five, you know it's not good enough for a player of his ability, and that's what we said. But this year, he took it on board, and now he is the best player in the Championship. Which is, you know, even though I don't think the Championship is that strong this year, if I'm going to be brutally honest, but he's head and shoulders the best player in the Championship, and you know Todd Campbell is not far behind him as well. So that just shows how strong we are in that department. Love it. Um, I've had enough people tell me you'll make the most of him while he's here. So I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm just going to repeat that they've told me that. <laughs> so there you go. Um, brilliant stuff. Well, um, we'll obviously get to see more of Kieran Dow and the others over the remaining five games of the season. How exciting. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, I'm Adam Hurry and Football Clichés is the podcast you never knew you needed. Every week, to quite unnecessary depth, we examine the words, the phrases, the accepted wisdom, the mannerisms, the habits, the gestures, the symbols, the sounds and the smells that everyone takes for granted in football, but which really are the glorious glue that holds it all together. For example, have you ever really listened to the Football League goals roundups? I mean, really listen to them? Because they all sound pretty much like this. 
Team X went into this game with just one win in their last 13. And when Team Y took the lead inside four minutes at Stadium Z, the home fans were probably starting to fear the worst. But Striker A had other ideas, and this game turned on its head in the space of five minutes midway through the second half. First, a smart finish from the edge of the box brought Team X level, and he repeated the trick on the hour mark to bring his tally for the season to 22. By now, Team X were in the mood, and although Striker A squandered a gilt-edge chance to complete his hat-trick, on-loan Dutchman winger B made it three with a curling effort from long range. Team Y's misery was compounded in stoppage time when midfielder C's late challenge on fullback D saw them reduced to ten men. An afternoon to forget for manager E's men then, but Team X will hope they have finally turned a corner under caretaker boss manager F. Listen to football cliches wherever you get your podcasts and also ad-free when you subscribe to The Athletic. Right, let's move on to things we are not going to talk about. These are the things we uh, that have happened and deserve some acknowledgement, but we're only going to acknowledge them by stating how we are not going to talk about them. Makes sense? Good. Also, we only have three minutes to do it, so please cue the dramatic music producer, Ollie. Now then, uh, I am going to start with, if I may, um, Grant Handling. Because, I mean, this is harsh because he obviously deserves to be talked about. But um, I think he's in he's in such good form. Um, I think it's... Uh, he did get caught with one ball over the top um, uh, that Colin Kazim Richards almost got in for. And I think Tim Cole needed to bail Grant out. But um, the way he's sort of carrying things at the moment, uh, especially with Andrew Mavamadeli next to him, you know, he's going to be learning a lot over these coming games. Um, I think Grant Hanley is, has delivered exceptionally well this this season so he deserves acknowledgement there yeah I, I think in any other year he'd be a shoe in for player of the year wouldn't he but oh. um there's a few contenders this is going to think about that award it's going to be about as close as it's been for a number of years who um, do you vote for steve we're not going to talk about it who are you gonna vote for uh, i'd go emmy i think yeah, i'd just I'd go, go emmy just for the match winning but hanley would be a deserved winner as would skip to be honest Hux, who do you vote for? I think for some moments of brilliance, Emmy, Emmy's going to get it. But you know, you, you can't take away our good Hanley and Skip have been. You know, I think Skip is the glue that holds the holds the team together. I think he does going both ways. I think he's been absolutely superb. In, in fact, um, I I thought the way things kind of unraveled a bit at Derby, even though they won, uh, kind of came from Ollie having a rare off second half. I thought he was really good in the first 20 minutes and then, and he started doing these really big bursts. I, don't, I guess it was since the Huddersfield game where he basically won that penalty. Now he's just all over it. <laughs> if I can burst in a straight line for 50 yards, he's in, um, which isn't bad because he was a pretty good player without it as well. Um, uh, anything, um, uh, Hux, you don't want to talk about? All the other teams crumbling. That's, that's kind of making me laugh a little bit. <laughs> Brentford and Swansea. I know what Watford have obviously dug in a little bit, but it's kind of been a, a pathetic kind of the, the challenge for everybody else. If, if we're going to be honest, it's considering um, two months ago, it looked like it was going to be like a, a four-horse race. I know we've played really well, but you know Swansea and Brentford have been you know bang average really. Well, I think it was yeah one injury, Rico Henry's injury to. Brentford I heard someone pin on their troubles and Swansea's penalties dried up and then that was that so although their goals were, were sensational at the weekend I thought all the finishes were anyway anything you know, else you don't want to talk about Steve? I was just going to ask I'm sure I'm way behind the curve on this one thing I noticed during the game is the shouts from the touchline like 
our bench is incredibly loud. Like, it seems to be a lot louder. Who's who's making that? Who's making the noise, Mark? You're in the stadium. I mean, that since has been going very well. I remember how quiet it was last season. You know, no one said anything. They arrived, no one said anything, and then they left and they'd lost. And that was it, really. And some of the clubs are really chippy. I mean, probably, I, I mean, yeah, it's sort of all the Norwich staff, really, to be honest. Um, Daniel Farker loves a shout and a swear, which is nice. To, you can hear that crystal clear a lot of the time. Um, but also, in fairness, the Derby bench, like Wayne Rooney's manager, but they literally had four coaches barking constant. Um, stuff at the players I mean I don't know how they really knew what they were doing to be honest because there was like lots of different ex, ex, you know, instructions flowing out from different people at almost the same time so there we go uh, all the music's run out there we go um, one thing else I didn't want to talk about was Steve Bruce saying um, you know Norwich show how you get relegated from the Premier League I mean maybe maybe he's right but you know Steve Bruce in Newcastle it's what was the context to that like why, why did he say that I think um, Alan Shearer said that his uh, the Newcastle should be um, a bit more attacking, and Steve Bruce's answer was, "Well, um, uh, if Norwich showed that that's how you basically get relegated <laughs> by playing that way, if you play like Norwich, you get relegated," which I think is a bit harsh because you could argue Leeds have kind of done something similar, just maybe with better players, or maybe we should I mean, mention Leeds. They obviously have their big win at Man City. <laughs> He's, he's not wrong, but but as a supporter, would, would you swap the, the last couple of seasons Newcastle have had under Bruce for the, the two years we've had? I don't, I don't think I would, but, you know, he's, he's not wrong. And I suppose bottom line is he's got to keep them up and that's what he's doing. So Yeah, fair enough. He is actually, isn't he? Yeah, which, but I, I don't know if Newcastle fans would be so happy if, if they finished 10th. <laughs> with everything that's going on around the club but we'll we'll save that for the uh, uh, for for Chris and George on the on the Newcastle pod. Um oh D- Demetrius Yanoulis was another thing I was going to mention his defensive record I can't, I couldn't find the tweet exactly but it's like they've conceded like two goals since he started playing <laughs> basically something stupid like that. Um you must have I think, it's, I think it's three when he's been on the pitch. It's either like three or four in, in all the time he's been on the pitch. One of which was the one he gave basically gave away. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's well, true. Uh, um, so yeah, not bad. To be honest, I thought Roberts gave him a bit of a run around on Saturday, second off. That's what I thought. So it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to the Premier League where you've got proper wingers who can pop with run and get out people. So we'll see. Yeah, that did get pretty ugly. At one point, he was putting his hand up, apologising. <laughs> I, think, I think that happened once or twice later on. Uh, oh, and the last thing I was going to say that I wasn't going to mention was happy birthday, Grant Holt. I think he's 40 today. Yeah, he joins uh, the old boys club today. Oh, have you told him that already? Have you rubbed, rubbed yeah, I'll send me a little, send me a little message on Twitter. Oh, so, I'm sure he's had a lovely day. It goes downhill when you get to Forte. That's what they say. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm only a couple of months in, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm still in the honeymoon period. <laughs> Wait until I'm 41. Um, right then, I tell you what. Let's crack on with this week's centerfold. Now, um. This is mainly because you're on the, the pod, Hux, to be honest. And I'm pretty sure I've asked you this before. <laughs> but um, this this Norwich side has got a lot of praise, um, uh, certainly in, in recent weeks. And obviously the 7-0 was a fairly ridiculous uh, winning scoreline. Um, but it does sort of led the, lend us to the question of exactly how good this Norwich team is compared to other Norwich teams. And I guess we're, we're primarily talking about promoted teams because I think, you know, we wouldn't say it's better than the team that finished third in the Premier League, but then the eras are completely different. So it actually becomes very difficult, doesn't it, Steve, to really compare 
teams when there's years difference in who they're playing and and what they're doing. You watch 90s football and it looks so different to the football of of now and last season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. It's, it, it's an impossible job comparing. And, you know, the the, the team that Hucks played in had had strengths that, that this current team doesn't have and, and vice versa. And I would also agree with the point that I, I don't think, I mean, the, the, this year's championship has not been as good as the one that, that went where we went up a couple of years ago. So actually we've kind of gone, gone above and beyond. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good, vintage and like I, I, you can't really find that many faults with this current team obviously we'll find out more about them next year but um in terms of kind of just having complete control over games as we have done in the last few weeks I, I struggle to remember a time where we've we've had that much just just we go into a game thinking well are they going to win that you know they're just head and shoulders above everyone else but then how much does covid play into that you know you, you go to a place like pride park um, as we did on Saturday, if they've got the home fans behind them, I, I don't think it, it's you know we we might have crumbled in that second half. So I I think that has an impact as well. So I'm I'm truly going to sit on the fence here. I I really, I really don't know, but it's a it's a bloody good team. That that much I do. Yeah, yeah. What what I would say, the team we won the league in 2003. I think the team two years ago, I think would have beat not comfortable would have beat them because they just couldn't defend. That's me being honest. Now, we, defensively, we were very good and we could hurt teams on the on the counter attack and have some real good plays. But this this team now, you know, they, they've not got many weaknesses. They defend really well. Uh, they're solid through the middle and they've got exceptional players up front. Now, like I said, I said in the tweet after the game, after the seven 0 game, that forty five minutes was the best I've ever seen in what what sixteen years I've been associated with the club or whatever it is. So that's the best I've forty five minutes I've seen from one team. But they've got to do it in the Premier League. You know, we, we, this is what we said two years ago. You know, everyone got, oh, this is going to finish mid-table, this, and we got absolutely battered. So, but I do think we're, I do think we're in a much better place this time. Players are two years on, got a lot more experience. I just think we're better in every department than we was two years ago. So that sets us in good stead, I think, for what's going to come next season. How, um, how would that 2003-04 side have taken on this Norwich side, do you reckon? Darren, would they have would they have let them have the ball and try and sort of turn them around quickly? Or uh, I think we'd have tried to rough them up a little bit. I think uh, kick Emmy on his on his ankle. He doesn't like that. <laughs> That's a recurring theme. Yeah. Also, you know, if the fullbacks would play as high as he would do, I can't imagine that they would be able to play that way against you know another decent team because you know there's no disrespect to Max. I think he's a superb player, but. If he's got to give me 20 yards to catch up with me, he's not catching me. So you, you, you try and play to the team's weaknesses. And to be honest with you, this current team hasn't got many weaknesses. What you do, you'd, you'd, every time Envy or Todd got the ball, you'd kick them. Or you just, you'd just pile into it every time they got the ball. You would. Because yeah. I'm surprised more, surprised more teams don't do it. I'm surprised more teams don't try and wind Envy up and Todd, Todd Campbell up and stuff like that. You know, that seems to have gone out of the game a little bit more. It's not, it just seems, you know, you have, a, you have a good go, we have a good go. That Huddersfield team the other day when they were getting beat 5-0 didn't put a tackle in, didn't rough anybody up, didn't get anybody anybody's face. You know, and that's embarrassing, really. You know, that shouldn't that shouldn't happen. A team that's fighting to stay in the league, you're getting beat 5-0 and no one's got within 10 yards of anybody. Don't get me wrong, Norwich were very good, but come on. 
like there, there probably wasn't actually that much in terms of quality between the Preston team who he drew against three days before and then that Huddersfield team. But like Huck says, Huddersfield just did not lay a glove on us and just gave us so much room. Whereas Preston put up a fight, didn't they? And rode their luck a bit. But like, I personally, I know you were, I know you were a bit annoyed at the referee not giving Buendia enough protection in that game. But I think they approached that game because they knew Buendia and Campwell are the threats. Oh yeah, yeah. Not, no, I hadn't. And I know, yeah, I know you didn't have an issue with the way Preston did approach it, but yeah, that's that's kind of the way you have to play this Norwich team, isn't it? Uh, that's, that's the first thing you do. Anyway, if you've got a manager who's wearing white jeans and trainers, <laughs> he deserves to get beat seven 0 No, but what sad up? What kind of what kind of message you sending out? It's like, come on, ridiculous. You know what kind of message is that sending out to your players who are going meant to be going out to, to war, and you're wearing white jeans and trainers, white trainers. I mean, I, I, I kind of. It, we, Visualizing, they you might have worn those yourself to get your hair cut today, Hux. Or do you own a pair of white chinos? I might have worn them early two thousands when I'm going out, maybe, but not to a football match. <laughs> not, not not if you're a man, not if you're a manager of a team. White jeans and white trainers, side of the pitch. Come on, outstanding. Come on. Well, hang on. What did you make of um of um Scott Parker's you know whatever that was <laughs> jacket? They got a lot of attention a few weeks ago. Yeah, well, Scott Parker's got probably a different different level though. You know, he's played for England. He's played six six hundred games. You got to back it up. You got to yeah, back up the chinos. If you're getting beat seven 0 and you're wearing white jeans and trainers, it's ridiculous. I'm not having it. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, um, I'm I'm feeling I'm not quite. I'm feeling quite as buoyant now because obviously we've all decided the championship is fairly weak. And you know, Norwich's away record is their fourteenth away win on uh, on Saturday, which is a club record, but. I mean, that has a massive asterisk next to it, doesn't it, Steve? When every away game has basically been without any fans. I mean, that does, I mean, it's not an away record then, is it? It's like a neutral record. Yeah, although I would say we had a really good away record two years ago as well. So we have, we have, been, able to, we have been able to do it. I think look, yeah, the, the championship's not as good, but that, that doesn't mean that this, uh, you know, we've won it at an absolute canter. And I think one thing that this team has done at, is... And I know obviously you, you, you're affected by the teams around you, but I don't think we've ever had a team go up with what four games to go, which is what we'll do if we beat Bournemouth next Saturday. Um, so, uh, as I say, it depends on the opposition you face, but we've been streets ahead of them and could go on to get 100 points. And it doesn't really matter what the standards like. That's that's still a hell of an achievement to do at any level. Yeah, it's going to be it's, it's going to go down as one of the best champion teams of all time. Simple as that. You know, in 10 years' time, no one's going to look back and say that there was no crowds, this or that. It'll just be remembered on points points uh, achieved. And, you know, if you, if you get 100 and odd points, you get remembered as one of the best champion teams of all time. Simple as that. Let's bring in John Motson, shall we? This is almost fantasy football. This is almost fantasy football. Um, now it's just the one game coming up over these next seven days, which is, of course, Bournemouth on Saturday at eight o'clock. Um, Swansea play twice before Norwich kick off and Brentford play once, although I'm not entirely sure if everything's been confirmed in terms of timings at the moment because the three o'clock games aren't um, taking off at, taking part at three o'clock on Saturday. I anymore. believe, Still? unless it's changed, I think they're being moved to either half 12 or half five, okay. depending on what, what the club's taking part want. So as we're kicking off at eight, they'll still be being played before our match. Beautiful. So um, do, we, do we think Norwich will have been promoted by the time they kick off? Go on, Steve. <laughs> who has Swansea? So Swansea and Brentford both need to drop points, don't they, in order for that to happen? Um, I don't... 
think so no in a way I quite like I know this is this is being choosy now I'd, I'd quite like us to do it on our own terms if you know what I mean I'd rather we we beat Bournemouth to go up uh Brentford have got Millwall at home so they were pretty hopeless against Swansea so I'm going to say that Brentford will win that game and that we'll have to do it. this is completely reversing what I said last week so I hope nobody's listened to both of those but I think we are going to have to do it on our own terms now on Saturday night love it no, I think I pointed out, um, well, I pointed out to Daniel Farker that he hadn't beaten Derby before, uh, which was your stat from last week, Steve. Um, <laughs> and he liked that one. Um, so that was his first win against a Derby side. Um, but also da- um, down to these, well, Derby and then Bournemouth and Watford are the three teams that had all beaten Norwich 1-0 um, in the return fixtures. And there'll be a little bit, won't there, that Norwich will want to prove something against Bournemouth and obviously Watford, but, you know, just, a from being relegated from them and B from losing in earlier in the season. Yeah, it's, it's, you want to win the game, but if you know you can win the league or you know go up on on your terms on live on Sky in front of the front of the nation, uh, it must be it's what you it's what you dream of really to you know to actually get promoted live on TV. So the players will be right up for it. They've had a little bit of a break and they're ready to go. It'll be you know what, what an occasion. All the, all the Norwich fans will be able to watch it. It's, it's perfect. How different is it playing when it's like a big game on telly? Does that sort of play in your mind? I mean, it's probably more emphasized now because there's no, there's no one actually in the ground either. But when you when you would have done it, yeah, I think you 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 kind of know, you know, you it's, it's a big game anyway. But it's live on TV. Well, every every game's been live on it virtually now. So uh, they just want to get the job done now. You know, they've only got four games left, five games left. They just want to get the job done. You, you should, you go into every game expecting to win and I'm sure Saturday will be no different. Limbo, limbo, limbo. It's nearly done, Steve. I, I do think though, and what you said about them having a bit of a point to prove, I think they've got, a, I, I mean, I know they've basically done the job now in terms of going up. They've got a massive point to prove in the next two matches because these are two sides who may well be with us in the Premier League next year. We haven't got a great record against them under Farker. And these are the kind of games, you know, we might have to play slightly differently in order to beat Watford, I think, to the way we have been playing. So in terms of preparation for next year, I would absolutely say they're two games that we'd really want to win. The problem is that they may go out on the lash on Saturday night if they get promoted and may not be that bothered about the off game. I don't know how that one will pan out. It's only three days later, right? So um, they may not see it that way if they're just thinking, oh, well. Yeah, yeah. You have to hold on because you can win the title, surely. That's what I would say. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty difficult to go out on the rush anyway. You can't go anywhere unless well, you're sitting in the garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Find a pub garden somewhere. Nice. Uh-huh. Just open Colney and get the beers out and away they go. Yeah, no one would even be able to know. Um, so there we go. Um, uh, what it's worth stating is that um, Brentford can, are 17 points behind and can only win uh, 18 more points. Swansea are 18 points behind and can only win 18 points. That is both cases, assuming Norwich do not pick up another point at all. <laughs> that is how close we are. It's literally on the brink. Um, and I would imagine next time we're on a podcast, hopefully it'll all be done. That'll be the plan anyway. Um, right. Well, I think um, we've basically decided it will happen and Norwich are going to smash Bournemouth. So that'll be happy days. <laughs> there we go. Um, right, I think that's it then uh, for this week's On The Ball. If you're yet to make... Uh, 
If you're yet to, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player and ad-free to subscribers of The Athletic via our app. Leave a review or rating if you get the chance. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, uh, sling me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. Uh, I am aware they have stacked up rather a lot in recent weeks. Uh, I will make endeavour to go through them uh, over the rest of the season, I promise. Um, in the meantime, a big thank you to our guests tonight. They were Steve. Thank you so much, Steve, as always. Cheers, Michael. Thanks, mate. And the one and only Darren Huckabee. Cheers, Hucks. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back next week at the usual time for another On The Ball in Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, keep your fingers crossed and never mind the danger. And we are clear. There we go. Uh, Stephen Hux, welcome to Wits End. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Anyway, um, hello, everyone. If you, if you have stumbled across this for the first time, wondering what's going on, listen to On The Ball podcast number 42, which went live on September the 8th. It's all explained there. Uh, you can email this part of the podcast directly with an email to Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com, or use the hashtag Twitterkers on Twitter. Just don't explain what it refers to and hopefully we'll be able to work it all out. Um, the outstanding twitterkers.co.uk uh, website is is flourishing. Um, the countdown for Norwich's last defeat is now on 65 days. Uh, 65 days since Norwich last lost a game of football, which is uh, crazy. A lot of games really. played in that time as well. It feels like, I don't know, how, what are we on now? Is it 13 unbeaten? 14? It's quite a lot to play in. Yeah, the schedule has been crazy. I don't, I sort of Gone, gone by in a heartbeat really uh, I did um, obviously marking um, Grant Holt and his 40th birthday we've got the pictures down on, on twitterkers.co.uk well, I say we <laughs> what I mean is Ken Charlie who's put it all together has got the pictures of some other fine Norwich City tashes I don't remember you ever having a just a moustache on its own Hux no no have, have no. you ever done that no my dad has I, my dad's had a tash all his life I've never seen him without a tash is that right Never seen my dad without a tasha. Is he tempted? Well, he's oh, like he a big is. bushy one as well. Oh, big, is it really? Yeah, it's a big granite old one. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, it's like my dad, uh, who hooks nose, never seen him without a beard. It just it would It's to the point where it would look really weird now if he ever, if, if he ever got rid of it. I think I had, uh, I, I had a tash once or twice for November. I think that's... But that was really just shaving the beard around the moustache. So I don't know if that really counts, but wow, that's exciting. I mean, we, we, can we can we class your dad, Hux, as, a, as an Norwich fan? No. No. Who does he no. support? <laughs> football. He watches every... <laughs> does he? No, no. He, he, yeah, he just watches football. He watches every single game going. Like every single really? game. We must, must be in his element this season. Yeah. He gets his Sky Sports subscription worth, I tell you. Every single game. <laughs> He doesn't make a good scout then. I mean, he must have a team though, surely. Well, he's from, from Nottingham, so I suppose. No, but he never went to watch Forest or anything like that. So, no. He was always playing, wasn't he? He was always playing. So, yeah. all then coming to watch, coming to watch. So, I don't think. He was a, t- he was a fan of whoever 
whoever Hux was playing for, that's it. Whoever his son was playing for, he was a fan. Yeah, that sounds better. There you go. We'll take that one. <laughs> um, so, uh, well, one day maybe we'll see Hux for the Tash. That's what we've uh, garnered from that. Um, uh, Steve, last week you laid out a quiz question that I, um, I think it was in Wits End. You posed it. Yeah. And it then was. I had a panic because I was like, I can't think about this now, but I really think I can get the answer. Uh, I then remembered that, or you reminded me actually that you posed the question this afternoon. So I did the same thing again. I was like, oh, I can't think, I can't think. And I've, I've really struggled with it. I think I think I've got it wrong as well. <laughs> I think. So yeah, we've got to, no, we've got to resolve it now. It wasn't the fourth uh, assistant manager to Norwich City assistant manager to then go on and manage against us. He was the third. So there were two others. Um, and as you have, so I'll just say, just yeah. just on the off chance that that people did bother. So one of them was Nigel Worthington, who obviously then went on to manage us and then managed against us, at Leicester. Leicester beat him three one. Yeah, beat him three one. Yes. Did Kenton score for Leicester in that game? Is it that one? I'm sure Kenton scored against us at some point. Um, and the other one was Lee Clark, who was assistant under Rhoda, um, and then managed us against us with Huddersfield. Huddersfield. And I thought Paul Trollope had, but he never was a never was actually assistant. It was Calderwood who was assistant. Um, so anyway, <laughs> that's, that's a te- in fairness, that's a technicality <laughs> because he was first yeah, team coach. True, but then I don't know. I've been a few of those down the years. Well, um, I hope, hope yeah, a very successful those. feature that one. Um, <laughs> hey, we're all allowed one. We're all allowed one, Steve. And to be honest, you, you, you're still basically right. So, and uh, you stumped me. Should have got Lee Clark though. There we go. Um, don't forget to keep your stuff coming in um, on anything you want, really, on on the hashtag Twitterkers. Um, I think last week we mentioned about um, random pictures you've managed to get in the background of. So I'm going to retweet this right now. This is me retweeting it right now. Um, James Hotchkiss. Uh, I was pleased, pleased to spot myself on the official 1994 calendar wearing a we're all going on a European tour cap in the background. So we've got um, oh now it's definitely Chris Sutton. And it looks like that's Lee Sharp, or it could be Gary Pallister. And um, and he circled himself. Don't know if you can see that. Uh, James on the oh, far yeah. side. I have no idea the player. You won't be able to see yeah. his face, but um, yeah, there he is, um, which is a, a cracking one. I need to retweet the picture of me at the Millennium Stadium. The EDP picked me out. So um, there you go. If, if anyone else has got any pictures you're in the background of, like um, like Charlie is in the background of... Uh, the background of the twitterkiss.co.uk website. Um, if you can find it, um, then dig those out. Um, we had a skip song as well. Uh, that's the other thing, which was from Charlie, in fact. Uh, start for 10, it needs some work, he says. Skippy, Skippy, <coughs> Skippy the English cuckoo. <laughs> Skippy, Skippy, Skippy is coming for you. That's a potential chant for Oliver Skip. To the tune of Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, right? I've assumed so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you didn't you didn't give us a tune, Michael, but <clears> no, it, I, we just I, have I, to guess, guess the tune. I've got a dry throat and I haven't had a drink for it for for an hour, so I'm struggling <laughs> to be honest. But I, I mean, was Koku a defensive? Number? I thought Koku was more oh, of an attacking player than a number, uh, number six. No, given that, I I think to be honest, that can go. It was a good effort. I reckon we can go back out there again because um, send it back I out. I'm not saying it was. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying someone might be able to do better. That's, that's all. Uh, I'm going to go the other way. That was poor. Complete, complete rewrite. That does complete rewrite. 
I mean, this is this is the first Christmas for a long time that the fans haven't had the chance to sing your song, Hux, and 12 Days of Christmas. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Unless they've all been said, they might have all been singing it individually at home over Christmas. Yeah, I'm, that's probably yeah, because right. everyone was trapped in the house, so I'm sure it got an ear in somewhere. What what else were they going to do, eh? Exactly. Something something slightly tragic about somebody just singing that on their own, and then <laughs> that song goes on for about five minutes. <laughs> so, I've done it. I hope, what I are saying? It's a great Christmas. <laughs> what um that just a quick one on that though. Uh, what what. Just one to put out there in case anyone gets in touch. Best chance, like best player chance, because that's a best good one. That is a good chance. one. The, the, the 12, 12 days of Huckabee, is that what it's called? Not the it's my, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I always like the Grant Holt one as well. I, I we can't really repeat it on the podcast, but it's just no. the sheer simplicity of it. Paul McVeigh. I mean, we we then get yeah, into the. Well, I was going to say we then get into the realms of players who were perhaps not quite as good as their chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is obviously a, a niche. Um, Sorry, who, and, who, which players? Well, I've now realised I've got a problem because whoever <laughs> I now talk about, I've sort of flagged up as that, which is not the case. But what I will say is Paul McVale, he's had a really great chant. You know, he did have a great chant. And um, Safri, actually. Can I throw Yusuf Safri into that mix? I always liked that. Not not into the poor player one, because I love Yusuf. <laughs> but he did have a brilliant chant. Moroccan all over the world, wasn't it? Yes. Status quo. <laughs> I mean, um, it, the the players now tend to sing their own chants. That's what I've realised. They don't ever want you to know that, but I think they all do, or or the or like their teammates will sing their chants at them. Is that would that have happened in in you know two thousand and four, Hux? I, I hope not. It's like Craig <laughs> Fleming singing Twelve Days of Christmas at you. <laughs> no, it wasn't his style. And then again, they do these initiation songs. Again. Anything? So. Is that anything? The initiation song. Well, I, 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 I didn't used to happen. But it used to happen when you was at Christmas for your for your money. You had to do something like that at Christmas, but not like when you just went to a new club. I can't remember. I never did that when I went to a new club. What? No initiations at all. No, not really. Not that I can. Not that I can remember. Oh, right. That must be Is like it? just an urban legend. No, they do do it now. They do it. Everyone does it now. But I can't remember twenty years ago doing it. I'm pretty sure that Ben Mounts, a regular peer on this podcast, had to do some kind of initiation on the first like preseason tour he went on, and I can't remember. He, he'll have to ask him next time he's on. He had to sing. He had to sing a song, and he was only he wasn't even a player, so so they definitely would have inflicted it on the playing squad. That would have been like nine, ten years ago, something like that. Yeah, me no. I wonder if I wonder if anyone out there has had to do initiations and their employers because you know their manager was a massive football fan and decided it'd be a great idea for team building <laughs> so i don't really don't think you should start bringing in football things into into the workplace but um but there we go um i think we're done um thank you so much i'm gonna wrap it up there thanks everyone for um get, get your chance in and follow up on all that that's grand um remember to get in touch via uh, twitter's hashtag twitter's or the email twitter's at icloud.com um but that's it Huck, thank you so much for your time, as always. No problem. Have a good evening. Top man. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for the, for the evening. Uh, cheers, Michael. Last one before we're officially a Premier League club, right? Well, well let's hope so. I mean. Yeah, let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Um, brilliant stuff, gents. Take care. Thank you all for listening. We will see you next week. The Athletic.